Hello everyone, my name is Liron and you're listening to HRD Live Podcasts, a show where we discuss all topics related to HR. This week we'll be focused on men's mental health and financial well-being. I'm joined by Sean Davies. Welcome Sean. Hi. Could you start off by introducing yourself and your role? So I'm the Global Director for Safety, Health, Wellbeing and Sustainability at the Raw Male Group. So that means I'm responsible for everything from policy, strategy, implementation and reporting across that, that broad portfolio. Well, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. What would you say are the biggest challenges in your role? Well, the Royal Mail is a fantastic place to to work and to be, and it's uh, 503 years old this year, so it's got a big, deep-rooted heritage and history, and that that in itself is both a challenge and an opportunity when you're trying to do new things. It's got quite a lot of uh, people that have been there a long time who... um, can at times take some convincing to do things differently um but in terms of challenges the main issues that we have are, are around um supporting people's workplace health and well-being and and doing it in a very collaborative way as opposed to uh make it an imposition on them so on the flip side would you say that the most exciting part of your role is overcoming that challenge yeah i think the thing that's really exciting is because of the scale of of uh, the employees so we've got over 140,000 people I think for me what is really exciting is the opportunity to positively influence that and if you think about that if if we can influence that population the impact that that could have on the UK overall uh, is massive so that in itself is a kind of social dimension as well as an organizational dimension so as a whole how important would you say it is for organizations to constantly address mental health big and small I think it's important for organisations, regardless of the size, regardless of what sector you work in, regardless of um, all those those variables, to think about mental health and well-being. And I think um, it's it's incumbent on community and society overall to think about uh, mental health. And I'm I'm really pleased by what I've seen in in recent years and and. Uh, and months that, that mental health is coming up the agenda and people are talking about it much more readily. So would you say that mental health has come a long way in comparison to what it was 10, 15 years ago? I would say even shorter than that, certainly within the last five years. I think um, the, the, the example I always give is that you've got the Health and Safety at Work Act came in in 1974, so that's 45 years ago, it's a long time ago. But I think historically... You know, it it shouted safety and only whispered health. So the health piece was quite underrepresented. Then throughout time, the the occupational health dimension became louder and more talked about. But the well-being piece, particularly um, mental health, has only really come to the fore in in the last kind of five plus years. It's 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 we're still really in its infancy at the moment. What do you feel actually sparked that change into making it a priority for organisations? I think the pace of life, the demands on people, um, the always-on culture that we've got now. If you think back um, kind of five, ten years ago and uh, think about how people used to work, 20 years ago, how people used to work in terms of um, you know, paper-based things. Now everything is instantaneous, email, um, social media, that instant requirement for you to be always on. And I think the world feels like it's a much more, a much smaller place 
uh, and uh, constantly on. So the expectations are, are much greater. And I think that brings with it a level of, of anxiety and pressure and, and stress. And I think that contributes to it. I also think that social media plays a big part in um, in the world of mental health, both positively and negatively. I think um, the fact that people can portray themselves to be something that they're not necessarily, which can make people feel inadequate, can be an aggravating factor. And I've seen that played out through my own family, through my nieces. Um, I've got a 16-year-old niece who... who often compares herself to other people she sees on social media and I have to explain to her that that could just be a construct for the purpose of, of social media. So I think all those things play play into the, the rise in it. Plus people talk about mental health more often and more openly now. So that in itself is a, uh, is a factor. Yeah, social media is such a massive influencer in the world of work and in our lives in general. Um, what do you feel are the biggest misconceptions in mental health at the moment? Yeah, I think there's still a number of things to overcome. I think there's still stigma to overcome. I think there is still an embarrassment factor to overcome. I think there's still the fact that men generally, again, not universally, but generally are uncomfortable talking about their, their mental health. So I think uh, there's a lot um, there's a lot still needs to be done in, in that area, which is an area that I'm particularly interested in, hence why I, um, I, I published a book with a colleague of mine called Positive Male Mind, which is about men's mental health, specifically for that reason. Um, so yeah, I think there's still a lot to be done. Um, I think we made some great strides, but there's still underrepresented groups that need um, support. Definitely. And what do you feel companies can do to, once again, make that push forward to support in these groups? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And I think it's really important that organisations think about the role they can play as part of the overall piece. So not as the one size fits all or the fix. I think there's lots of, uh, there's lots of, Everybody's got responsibility and, and society overall has got responsibility to help destigmatize mental health issues. I think organizations can be really helpful in, in um, equipping their managers uh, to support employees that might be struggling with mental health issues to perhaps uh, think about things like an employee assistance program. If it's a, a small, medium-sized organisation, can they buddy up with bigger organisations to kind of learn lessons or kind of share best, best practice? So I think there's um, there's a variety of different ways that you can make improvements. I think one thing I'm really keen on is promoting this concept of done with rather than done to. You, you cannot impose health and well-being on people particularly you know they're adults we're all adults so you you know and it's more than just drink a litre of water a day and eat five pieces of fruit and veg and stop smoking etc etc what i think you need to do is to give people um information and allow them to make informed decisions that are appropriate for them definitely um, so going back to your book that you wrote why do you feel that such a large percentage of males in the workplace suffer from mental health yeah, I um so I did a, a a a doctorate and I did my doctorate in coaching well-being and organizational culture and I I, I did that because I was really interested in men's health in general and why men access health um uh, services in a different way to to women and I I did 16 years in construction and 2 years in waste prior to coming to Royal Mail all predominantly male organizations and they all had that very similar undercurrent which was um you know, generationally, there was still the real men don't cry, which is perpetuated by the media in a number of uh, a number of examples. I might add, uh, the fact that they were considered to be quite macho organisations, so it was all about uh, staying strong. 
add that to the UK's kind of uh, view of stiff upper lip and it just becomes another kind of layer to consider. Um, and I found that when I was supporting people with mental health issues, they often came to me for help, advice and support as an absolute last resort. They were really kind of at that tipping point. And when I'd say to them, well, you know, why, how long have you you've been suffering with this or when did you identify you had a problem or how long you've been struggling with this? It was often months and years before that, but they waited until it got to a crisis point before they did anything. And that was something that I saw across all the professions I worked in. So I was really keen to come up with a publication that could help people, help men, help themselves and help people that were bothered about the men in their lives, be that a partner, be it a, um, a husband, uh, a son, brother, etc., to try and talk about mental health and try and kind of normalise it. Definitely. So working for a huge company like Royal Mail with such a large workforce, I can imagine it's, it's quite a challenge to address all of these different issues and uh, mental health problems due to different age groups and diversity. Yeah, it is. And I think that's why it's important that you create a, a network of ambassadors. So, and I'm a big fan of peer-to-peer support. So I think that what we've done is we've, we've come up with this ambassador programme and what we've done is we've helped upskill our uh, frontline middle managers, senior managers on health and wellbeing and specifically mental health issues so that they can act as a, as a coach, mentor, um, steer to, to people that they're working with so that it's done more on a more local and devolved level rather than it all feeling like it's coming out from head office in inverted commas. Yeah, so it's once again about increasing that transparency and to ensure that everyone feels included. Yeah, and, and one thing that's been really encouraging has been that uh, since we've been doing the programme within Royal Mail, the amount of people who've come forward and wanted to share with us their experiences and stories, and they've done it for the benefit of others. I think that's incredibly positive. Sounds great. That sounds really great. So touching upon financial health, do you feel like this is a topic that is sometimes overlooked by businesses? Yeah, so... Um, when I talk about this, I ask people to draw a, a triangle. And on one dimension is, is physical health. The other dimension is, is mental health. And then the third dimension is financial health. And then draw a circle around it. And the reason why I say that is, I think physical health, people are generally accepted about health promotion, diet, exercise, sleep in the main. Mental health is coming up the agenda with more people talking about it and aware of it. Financial health is still massively underrepresented as far as I'm concerned and misunderstood. And you often think that people think that financial well-being is limited to people on low incomes and it's not. It's, you know, to people at all levels in organisation and society can face financial challenges, be that um, loss of the job, uh, breakdown of relationship, overcommitted, debt, etc., and then I, I say draw it in a circle because the circle that it's in is is the, the context of the whole person. So that, that person, uh, there's always other factors that are playing that will di- have added aggravating and mitigating factors on that um, three-dimensional pyramid. So you need, to, you need to think about the person as a whole and then those component parts. And I've just found that's been a really useful or helpful way of kind of getting people to think about that um, those those interacting uh, and interdependent aspects of the whole person. Yeah, I guess it's interesting thinking about that triangle and thinking about um, addressing all areas instead of just one. Um, do you feel like for businesses it's quite difficult to address these situations due to just transparency and then going to their workforce and being like, we can help you out with these um, challenges? So we've, if I think about what we've done in Royal Mail, we have... Um, um, an ongoing education, a financial education programme. We work 
with uh, a variety of different providers um, that can help us with uh, um, financial advice and support. We've also got a charity, the Roland Hill Fund, which is our benevolent fund, which helps people that get into financial difficulties or in, in need of other financial support. Not always difficulties, but they get you know they might find that, um, for example, we had uh, an employee whose wife had a stroke and needed some assistance in buying a, a wheelchair, a specialist wheelchair, and, and people they can put a grant application in, and we'll we will uh, give that, and that that's funded through a variety of kind of fundraising activities um but i do think that we are really um supportive of um financial education and financial well-being as an organization certainly more than i've seen in other places i've worked Mm -hmm. yeah definitely so i guess it's even more important for that culture to be there for businesses and so if the workforce does have that positive culture then it's a lot easier for them to go to business leaders and go to their um, line managers and um, ask for this help. Mm. I think the other thing is, well, if you think about the pyramid again, with physical, mental and financial, if you're financially constrained, you can't eat well. So that has an, an impact on your physical health. If your physical health is compromised and you're not sleeping well and you're worrying about debt, that has an impact on your mental health. If your mental health is not not well, you're not, you're not contributing fully to... Um, taking care of yourself so the physical health is compromised which might may limit your ability to earn earn money which can impact on your financial health so they're not just they're not just abstract ideas they are all interwoven in terms of how they fit together Mm -hmm. do you feel like there's enough information out there for financial health i think it is on the up and i think uh big organizations and uh, particularly from the banking sector uh, are kind of starting to to push that you know you might have seen some of the adverts on tv of late that have, that have been pushing the kind of uh, financial well-being financial education piece um i think organizations that uh, that uh, go and go into other organizations and support them in financial health education etc again becoming much more prevalent so i think it's uh, still early days, still at the start of that um, conversation, but I think it's a lot It's a lot further advanced than it was, say, two or three years ago. Yeah, great. So last question from me, do you feel like all of the issues in the triangle are going in the right direction? And do you feel like it'll only be a, a couple of years before we start to see these challenges being solved? So I am the eternal optimist. So yes, I think they are going in the right direction. I think you've got to guard, though, against them being flavour of the month. I think you've got to keep, make them sustainable and embed them into your organisational culture and your own values if you're going to kind of make them be, you know, sustainable for the next generation. Um, the picture that always comes up in my head when, when I talk about that is um, when you go to the when you go to the seaside and you've got that game with the, the, the mallet and things pop up and you're whacking them down and it feels to me like that, kind of one issue pops up you know you address that and another one pops up i think there's still a fair bit of that going on at the minute what you need to do is raise a profile of them all appreciate the interaction of them all and manage them all going forward so so yes i am encouraged that the that, that the future will will be positive but i think there's still much more to do in terms of joining it up and uh, and putting in place a sustainable fix Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So it's all about um, addressing all of the situations at once instead of just all um, addressing one after the other. Well, thank you for your time, Sean. It was lovely to thank have you. you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for tuning in to HRD Live. Be sure to tune in next week where we'll be talking to a new guest. See you then.